Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to another episode of The Only Playbook. Hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving yesterday and got to eat a ton of food and probably eating a lot of leftovers today as well. Unlike me, I didn't get any sort of Thanksgiving food, so that was very, very sad first year. But um, I'm Sweetcar. I got me and Shoshot today. Shovit is out doing family stuff. Shoshot just got back from being a doctor. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm good, dude. I'm excited for this week. This is going to be one of the funner weeks of fantasy because there's a lot of green. There's a lot of green on the people I'm facing. and It's about damn time. There's been a lot of tough uh, matchups and finally looking like there's some green light ahead. So we'll see if we can put up some big points this week. Yeah, it's always nice when you look at your matchups and it's all green. Green is what you want to see. Good opponents, good matchups. We'll talk all about it. So much to recap for the Thanksgiving games that already happened. And then we'll preview the rest of the games on slate for Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, for Sunday. Without further ado, let's kick things off. Shushout with Water Cooler Talk. First game on Thanksgiving morning, the Lions play every Thanksgiving. Still don't understand why that's a tradition. Detroit is hosting Buffalo. Buffalo came into town playing in Detroit for the second consecutive week after getting moved there because of the snowstorm the week before. Uh, Bills came into this game nine and a half point favorites over under sitting at 54 and a half. Final score 28-23. Buffalo wins a really, really tight matchup covers uh, Detroit covers the dog spread under 54 and a half caches Buffalo now moves to eight and three Detroit drops to four and seven this game was pretty exciting to kick things off on Thanksgiving morning back and forth Detroit had them on the ropes they kicked that field goal at the end and obviously again there's it's like the Mahomes and Allen type thing right Mahomes needs 13 seconds well Allen needed 23 seconds and he got the job done so um, again Buffalo continues to play not to the potential that we saw Buffalo play early in the season, not to like that juggernaut status that you're like, Oh, this is a surefire uh, playoff team. But you and I talked about it. Like the season is so long that you're going to have weeks where you don't play well. You're going to have weeks where you don't play well and still win, you know? And so again, in the NFL, you're going to rack up the wins. You're going to take as many wins as you possibly can get. Uh, Allen had through an interception, had 253 yards passing two touchdowns. I uh, had a great fantasy day still though. 10 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Devin Singletary, 14 carries, 72 yards, one, caught one pass for eight yards. Stefan Diggs was mostly held in check till that fourth quarter where he just kind of exploded. Eight catches 77 yards and a touchdown McKenzie was the guy that uh, Allen was looking to a lot more often this game six for 96 and a score Gabe Davis four for 38 and Dawson Knox two for 17 uh but again the the difference in Tyler Bass should get some credit as well the kicker for them has been really really good and he's been a really good fantasy player just with the Bills random inability to score touchdowns Mm -hmm. as frequently as they've been doing the the entire season if you will and obviously on the Detroit side we know their defense sucks uh, Buffalo's defense is supposed to be better, but the Lions actually put up good fantasy days from their players, right? Jared Goff, 240 yards passing, two touchdowns, protected the football, no interceptions. Uh, God, Jamal Williams, 18 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, the starter, supposedly five carries, 19 rushing yards, uh, salvaged his fantasy day with four catches for 24 yards. Uh, the name of the game, though, Amon Ray St. Brown, man, nine catches, 122 yards and a touchdown. He's a PPR machine. He's a fantasy machine. He's basically all they have on the outside. So that's who's going to get the football. So uh, again, nice fantasy players to have on the Detroit side. Buffalo still comes away with this close victory. But uh, I think if you're Buffalo, you're going to take this win 10 out of 10 times, Keats. Because again, Detroit continues to play players, teams tough, man. So you can't just expect to come in, blow out, and, and you know beat all these teams by like double digits. Because you know our favorite team has never done that. They haven't done that in the last three years. So uh, we shouldn't be expecting every other juggernaut team to do the same. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's not just Detroit, it's not just beating Detroit. It's like the name of the game for the regular season is to make to the playoffs, right? So it's really easy to be Monday morning quarterback like a lot of our friends and be like, oh, well, they played so bad this game. It doesn't matter. You just got to win the game. It doesn't matter how you win the game. You got to show signs that you have potential to be good in the playoffs. But none of this really matters. You just got to pull out wins out of your ass. You can you can demolish people. Look at, look at the Eagles. They've been demolishing people the whole time. And the slightest sign of weakness, the naysayers come out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah, this team kind of sucks. Well, you yeah. can say that about any team at any moment, right? So yeah. – let the let the people talk. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a good team. It doesn't matter if you're a bad team. Like the Lions are finding ways to stay in games and winning games and losing these kind of games. And then you have the other end. Vikings are doing the exact same thing, but losing games. And the Bills are doing the same thing now. You you basically expect a digs in Allen hug at the end of the game where they have huge size of relief. Like they knew they were screwed, right? So at the end of the day, just get the dub, get out of here, get higher up in your standings, get nice uh, seating for the playoffs, and then. All this practice, we'll see if you've learned anything. If you fixed your mistakes, that's what it's really about. So I, I really don't like getting in the uh, conversations about this team's like falling apart. This team's it's still too early. It's way too early. People are still going through their motions, figuring shit out. We we can see trends, but we cannot solidify good teams versus bad teams. We still cannot do that. Yeah, and then the one thing that's funny is like they always talk about strength of schedule, and they're like, "Well, who have you really beaten? Oh, if you've only beaten one team above five hundred, blah blah blah." Well, if you think about the NFL as a whole, like what teams do we deem worthy? If like you beat them, and it's right. like, oh, all of a sudden there's like three teams, yeah, right? right? If you beat the Chiefs, oh, that's great. Maybe if you beat the Bills, but they've kind of faltered recently, yeah, and then you can say that about the Eagles. Yeah, so it's like outside of those teams, every other team you win is just a rant, like you know, right. it's just whatever. So Absolutely. yeah, you. You have to take the wins where you can. Buffalo takes care of business. Uh, Detroit, again, continues to fight hard, but they just don't get the job done in the yeah. end. Uh, Buffalo wins that one 28-25 in the first game. Shashot, do you want to talk to us about the Giants and Cowboys, or do you want me to save the Vikings and Patriots for you? Go ahead. I, well, I'll yeah. just chime in on all of them. Sorry, Giants-Cowboys next game on the board. Giants nine-point underdogs on the road here in a Thanksgiving division matchup uh, over under 44 and a half 28 to 20 was the final. The Cowboys win this game at home over cashes. Giants do cover the spread giants dropped in seven and four. Now Dallas is eight and three. Uh, let's talk about the Dallas side first. They looked human. They looked human on both sides of the ball, right? Offense mm-hmm. Dak, two interceptions, not great interceptions either. Like bad throws, 261 through the air, two touchdown passes, ran it twice for four yards. Uh, the one nice thing, the compliment on the Dallas offense is Zeke looked really good. This was probably the first game I've seen in like a year where it looked like his runs looked just as good or maybe a little bit better than Pollard's. And I think it could just be the fact that teams understand now who has the explosion, who has the burst, who you actually need to worry about is on the field versus the latter, right? I think before it's like Zeke's on the field, they're going to run the football. But now all of a sudden you see the explosion with Pollard and teams are keying in on Pollard. And all of a sudden that makes Zeke the compliment and the runs like the running lanes are a lot more you know, prevalent when Zeke's on the field versus kind of vice versa in the beginning. So Zeke 16 for 92 on the ground, one touchdown, caught one pass for three yards. Tony Pollard, 18 carries, still led the backfield, only at 60, 60 rushing yards, caught two passes for only one yard. I think that's the biggest part of his game that was missed in this game, but it didn't matter because the Cowboys still won. Uh, Giants, tough for them, right? Their offense is limited on the outside. 
Yeah, Daniel Jones had 228 yards passing and a touchdown, three carries for 14 yards. And the Cowboys did a good job holding Saquon Barkley down. 11 carries only, 39 yards and a touchdown, four catches, 13 yards. So, you know, you look at the score and it's a lot closer than I think the game really dictated. The, the Giants couldn't run the football. Their pass catchers, I mean, Slayton had three for 63 and Richie James had five for 41 and, and a touchdown, but they really couldn't get anything going because they could not convert on third downs. Three of 11 on third down. Dallas was seven of 11 on third down. And again, the Giants, a team that is revolved around their running back and the Cowboys week one weakness is a rushing defense. They only ran it for 90 yards. So you're just not going to get the job done when the one benefit you have against this defense and their one weakness, you can't really capitalize on. So Cowboys still look scary, man, 28, 20, they win They're eight and three. They're still second in their division, but they're a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs because that pass rush is scary as hell. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. And I said before in the preview episode or the, yeah, the preview episode for this game, I was like, I don't really respect the Giants until they do something, until they beat the Cowboys. Well, you know what? They didn't really have to beat them for me to gain the respect. They did a pretty good job. They did a pretty good job. Um, yeah, they didn't really technically score 20 points. That, there was that garbage time <laughs> touchdown. It should have been like 13 to 28 final, which is a little bit more convincing on the Cowboys' mm -hmm. end. Um, but the Giants, like you said, there's no weapons. Where do they throw the ball? They don't know what – like there's nowhere to go. This team was set up for failure. I don't know why people do this. I don't know why. Look, go, look at the Eagles, okay? They have one player get injured. They have a huge deficiency. They go out and get two of those – Pro Bowl players for the same spot. And then you have the teams like the Giants who have been hobbled all over the field. They get rid of Tony. They get rid of all these players. They just they're just dragging Galladay along like a like a like I don't I don't even know what it is. It's not even fun to yeah. look at. So I don't even know what I'm looking at when they're dragging him along. Um but they're just not willing to fix this passing game. And I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know where they think they're going to get with this, but you're not going to make it far. You're not going to make it far at all. You might not even make it far in your division. Giants could get beat by all three teams, all the other three teams in their division because yep. of this lack of passing attack. So props to the Cowboys for pulling through. Um, Zeke did play well, um, mainly because they started running the ball to the outside with Zeke. You know, he yep. was used mainly as just like a up the middle guy, but there's a lot of outside zones and then he, busted like 125 yarder there that nobody saw coming because they yeah. don't run to the outside with Zeke. So yeah, they were covering a lot of the um, usual plays and uh, Cowboys really tried to switch things up and went deep through screen passes. They did everything you could to play against a good defense and they came out with the win. Yeah. Again, Cowboys now eight and three. Uh, it's crazy to see how dominant this team feels like they look and they're still second in their division, man. That NFC yeah. East is super, super uh, competitive this year. Let's kick it to the final game on Thanksgiving. I, our most anticipated match at the Patriots traveled to Minnesota to take on our Vikings. Vikings at home favored by two and a half points over under 42 and a half. This was a shootout 26, 33 final Minnesota takes the cake. They covered the spread. They are now nine and two sitting pretty atop the NFC North. The Patriots dropped to six and five. First person I want to start off by talking about is Kirk cousins, 299 through the air, three touchdowns had one interception, but again, don't care about the interceptions when all I asked is that if he were to make mistakes, he does not, you know, turn into a shell and start to dump off. And this was like the best example of he threw that interception and the immediately the drive after he was like gunslinger Lula, man, yeah. he was like slinging that shit downfield. And I'm like, dude, that's it, man. Play with no fear. You throw an interception. Nobody cares. You're going to get that ball back and you're going to get a chance to make up for it. So a uh, fantastic game from Kirk. I mean, Dude, there were it's, there it's, were some dots to Justin Jefferson it, in between two safeties that were just unbelievable. There's like we've never seen this type of Kirk Cousins before, and that's no. because he just looks fearless. Like 
the the passion he's playing with, like even when he was angry at his own center, like yep. you know, you think of this guy as like this like heavenly good guy who just does all the good things and makes his family happy, his team happy, keeps keeps his coach like the ultimate person, right? That's what that's what you think of. And then he's coming out here like yelling at his center, spiking the ball. Like that's the excitement we want to see. We don't want to see like this shell of a person that gets like ran over by everybody and that just gets talked. You know, we haven't been seeing that Kirk Cousins. He's been taking some hits, man. He's been surviving a lot of these plays, uh, delivering the ball where it needs to be. And that's to Justin Jefferson and Thielen. Like Thielen's kind of coming out of his little uh, slump as well, kind of going back to his old ways. He got nine catches, I believe, or nine targets, yep. something crazy like nine that. Catches. Nine 61 catches, yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So when you have this even flow with JJ and Thielen, where you can kind of take some pressure off of JJ now by even when he's double teamed, uh, you can throw the ball other places. Who would have thought, right? Because right. Um, Hawkinson's really not been used anywhere besides five or 10 yards down the middle of the field. Just turning around. It's just like stop and turns. That's all he's been doing. And then some flats in the, in the red Mm -hmm. zone, um, which is okay, but we're seeing some deep crosses with JJ and Thielen and KJ Osborne's probably going to get used a little bit more. They're trying to play outside of their normal scheme. And this is exactly what they needed to do against the Cowboys, but they they didn't do it. Um, The the play calling was really sus. They didn't want to change anything up. There was no adjustments. There was no adjustment. And that's, I'm a little, still, I'm still a little bit worried about the defense because the defense is still not adjusted. Um, but the offense is adjusting really well to pass part. Like Judon looked like he, he looked non-existent there, right? Like he, he made his way to the backfield a few times, but wasn't able to get there because we had plays ready. There's there was, there was like two or three checkdowns on every play and then look deep to Justin Jefferson and Thielen every play. So it was really, really well disguised. There was, it was really well done. The run game was still a little off, but you know, you got to run a few times to set up the play action and that's just the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin, 22 carries. We tried to get him going, only 42 rushing yards. Yeah. Caught four passes for 14 yards. Uh, you know, and and like you said, shout out to this team for continuing to be resilient, right? This was a game where, again, we went down on our first dr- drive, and it's like almost every game now. Scripted drives are like perfection. It's like mm-hmm. methodical. We yeah. do all the right things. Number one the in the league in first, yeah. first drive touchdowns. Yeah, like it's like we know exactly what we're doing when we're scripting it. And then the problem is once we get off script, what are we going to do? But this was right. exactly that. We we scored. They came back. They kicked two field goals. We got punched in the mouth. We were down and we had to come back. And again, it was kind of a back and forth effort. And like the kudos to the defense because they're bad. Don't get me wrong. They are bad. We were playing with our fourth and fifth string cornerbacks. But the two times it mattered, they got two of the biggest sacks yeah. of the whole game, right? Mm-hmm. Timely sacks when it mattered. And, and that's all we care about. Like, obviously it's hard to be like, okay, as long as you can just make the play, like, you know, in crunch time, you can't expect that, but that's kind of exactly what happened today or in this game, you know, they were getting gashed. Mac Jones looked like literally Tom Brady 2.0. Yeah. Uh, but, but when it mattered, when it mattered, what I noticed was down the stretch, all those quick dropbacks for Mac Jones, his first read, the corners came up. So they started pressing the corners. So that first read, as as soon as it wasn't there, you see Mac Jones start to like, oh no, crap, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's when the sacks came and that's when the pressure came. So yeah. uh, again, shout out to shout out to the defense, shout out to the offense. Again, these are the kind of games where it doesn't look pretty. The defense gave up a ton of yards uh, and a ton of points, but we got the job done. And then special shout out, Kenny Wangu, who's looked like absolute garbage all year returning kicks. Finally, yeah. Finally breaks one free. Uh, and then, you know, I don't really know what to feel about Greg Joseph. To He's got to go, with you. man. He's got to go. It's too much. How, 
how is how does he miss extra points, but then he doesn't miss a single field goal inside of fifty yards? Yeah. I just I don't get it. That's too volatile, and that needs to go. We need to sign somebody like Blankenship or something that's got more consistency. I know they're not the best, but this is too much. You can't keep teams. This is like the third time he's kept the other team in the game by making it a one score game, or at least making it a field goal game. This is the third time. That's too many yeah. times. That's yeah. way too many it's- times. It's 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 inexcusable. The guy can't make it outside of fifty, and then he misses extra points here and there. But then inside of fifty, I don't think he's missed a kick all year. So just no. uh, make it make sense. It's the stupidest thing. Uh, but I don't know that. Yeah, that that is something that luckily this year it hasn't come back to bite us in the ass. But it's just a matter of time before it does. Uh, real quick, I know we went long there. Ramondre Stevenson, we held him in check on the ground. Man, seven carries only for thirty six yards, but the yeah. dude did catch nine passes out of the backfield for seventy six yards. Damian Harris, five for sixteen, did get injured and left the game. Uh, like I mentioned, Mac Jones. 382 through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did a really nice job of spreading the ball. Parker, four for 80. Aguilar, six for 65 and a touchdown. Henry, three for 63 and a touchdown. And Myers, three for 62. So literally every which way he was throwing the ball, it was there. But again, when push came to shove on third downs, Minnesota's defense held stout three of 10 allowed in our offense, eight of 15, which again, the difference became the fact that we held the Patriots to have Nick Folk have to kick four field goals versus get yeah. any one of those in the end zone would have been a different game. So Vikings take the cake nine and two sitting pretty through 12 weeks. That's it for the three games on Thanksgiving. Again, awesome, awesome football action. Let's talk about injuries ahead of the action on Sunday. Josh Jacobs randomly popped up on the injury report today. He's dealing with a calf injury. He's questionable. Uh, The reason this is important is the guy came into the week with no injury designation. And on Friday to have one pop up is a little scary, a little worrisome. Uh, They didn't make it sound super serious. So I'm expecting him to still play barring something significant. Debo Samuel for the 49ers is still listed as questionable, uh, limited practice all week. I think he will play, but, uh, you know, they're one of those teams right now where they have, you know, a couple of pretty easier, uh, easier games on the schedule and getting CMC, having Elijah Mitchell healthy. Uh, I think Ayuk's emergence and Kittle being Kittle, like they can afford to kind of like revolving door of rest their starters, you know, like gear up for the playoffs. It's like, okay, Kittle, you take a day. Ayuk, you take a day. Debo, you take a day. So again, I don't know that they're going to press the issue for Debo to play, but he's questionable. Something to monitor ahead of Sunday. Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs is officially listed as out as is Chargers wide receiver, Mike Williams, which means Joshua Palmer another week. You absolutely deploy that guy. Uh, Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert listed as doubtful, probably not going to play, which means, again, they are playing the black hole of run defenses, Mm -hmm. the Houston Texans. So, I mean, if you have your RB1, you could have Derrick Henry, and you may want to start Jeff Wilson Jr. ahead of him because this is a matchup made in heaven. KJ, uh, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy look like they are both going to be out for Sunday. So it doesn't get any prettier for the Denver offense. AJ Brown was dealing with an illness. It looks like he's going to play Alvin Kamara, same situation dealing with some sort of illness, but he should be good to go to play. Uh, another big injury that is out. Leonard Fournette is not going to play on Sunday, which means Rashad white season is officially upon he's us. Doubtful, right? He's not. Yeah. Out, out. He's, he's doubtful, but I, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say, he's probably not going to play. Yeah. Uh, doubtful usually is not a good sign. Sunday yeah, I've never Friday night. seen doubtful come back to be like start to play. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I almost consider doubtful as out, but yeah, he's not going to play probably, which means if you have Rashad white, you're probably going to throw him in your lineup. Yeah, I'm uh, starting Rashad white over Alvin Kamara this week. Just going to do it. Wow. Wow. I mean, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Um, dude, Rashad white. It's just when they have nobody else, 
Tom Brady loves to throw his running back the football, yeah. man. So I think those are guaranteed points. Uh, similar situation, different type of matchup. Joe Mixon, another big running back that is out this week. So Samaj P. Ryan season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a tougher running uh, defense. I forget yeah. who they play, but P. Ryan catches every single pass out of yeah, the back. They play the Titans. Titans are really, really, Titans. really good at stopping the run. But yep. if, you're, if you're a running back that catches passes, then that doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. So you're deploying uh, Samaj P. Ryan if Joe Mixon is out. Jamar Chase, questionable. Zach Taylor said, quote, we will see. I honestly don't expect him to play yet. I think it's it's a little premature. But as if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a guy who traded for this guy early in the season. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's already questionable and will see status, yeah. I think it kind of bodes well for the next couple of weeks coming up for him. Yeah. And, he, and he practiced fully today yeah. and yesterday. So he yeah. may actually get on the he field. He may actually play, yeah. yeah. I, I, I almost don't want him to play because I have Higgins, and it's like, dude, yeah. like there's just no yeah. reason for it. But, yeah. so, uh, I mean, yeah, so, if he does play, that's that's wild. Ravens offense dealing with so many injuries. Duvernay, Likely, Robinson, and Gus Edwards all listed as questionable for Sunday. The guys that are good to go, Lamar Jackson's good to go, and Mark Andrews is good to go. Um, but these four guys, something to monitor. Again, yeah. it, it can't just be Lamar to Andrews the whole game. It's really funny because Lamar Jackson was on the injury report up until yesterday as well, and the only person that was not on the injury report was Andrews, which is <laughs> which is crazy because he's got so many injuries himself. It's Dude, that team is just revolving door of injuries right now. Uh, good news for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown look like they're both going to play. So uh, they get Hollywood Brown back now that they have Hopkins, who's already been amazing. Kyler Murray gets back on the field. Who knows? Maybe there is a change in effect in the Arizona sphere. Uh, Justin Fields, game time decision. That is definitely something to monitor. If you have Fields, you've been obviously starting him automatically without any hesitation. But now that he's a true, true game time decision, this is not something you want to mess up in week 12. So definitely monitor that. Have a backup quarterback on your bench ready to go on the chance that Justin Fields does not play. Rams, Allen Robinson, and Tyler Higby, both questionable. They have nobody. So I, dude, that that matchup, that's the Chiefs against the Rams, and the Rams have nobody. So we'll talk about that, but that looks like a nightmare. And then the last guy, Browns, David Njoku, played last week, was limited. He's supposed to play this week. He's limited still. So I think you should try to pivot to other options until he is fully healthy and getting enough playing time to warrant a start. Uh, those are all I had for injuries, Shisho. Did, did I miss anything? No, nothing really significant uh, as of yet, no. Okay, perfect. Obviously, any other injuries that come up before Sunday at Only Playbook on Twitter, we will try to keep you guys posted. That's it for Water Cooler Talk. Let's jump into the rundown. Thanksgiving is a time of giving thanks, and we're thankful to the NFL because Thanksgiving week, there are zero bye weeks. So finally, every team is playing. I was actually writing this outline, and I was like, okay, it's just me and Shashot. It'll be quicker because it's like week 12, there's probably buys. Three games already happened on Thursday, and then I was like, wait, what? There's so many games, but there's no bye weeks. So no bye weeks on Thanksgiving, uh, the gift that keeps on giving. First game on the board Sunday, Buccaneers at Browns, Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady favored by three and a half points over under 42. Um, we talked about it. Rashad White, the biggest name on the board in this game for me. Uh, he is an automatic plug and play against his Browns defense that has not been able to stop anybody. Tom Brady against the Browns, you know, he's been bad this year, but I think this is an opportunity that you cannot, I mean, that you can start Tom Brady. Uh, there is it that you can at least mull over that option versus just not starting him in, as opposed to past weeks. Mike Evans and Godwin. Both guys, you have to start. You would start them regardless, but another reason you want to start them is Greg Newsom, the cornerback for the Browns, is going to be out another week with the concussion. So uh, I expect the Buccaneers' offense to not struggle against this Browns' defense. Kate Otten, if you want to get a little bit crazy. Uh, on the Browns' side, Jacoby Brissett, man, it, it's a guy that 
you know, I can never envision myself starting, but he continues to be yeah. a very, very serviceable streaming option. Yeah. I'm always going to go into Sunday if I have Brissett as my starter, like, oh my God, he's going to give me like six points or like four points yeah, or like you've, zero. You've pulled the trigger on the um, Daniel Jones uh, yep. scary moments. I can't even do that. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. watch him get 24 points, 26 points, and I'm like, damn, uh, that's just never going to be me because I'm too cowardly to start him. <laughs> I can't. I do desperate times, man. I typically, I am way more conservative when it comes to fantasy. Like I'm not going to do stuff like that, but you know, my situation this year, I've had no choice and Danny dimes was serviceable, serviceable. And again, Brissette's probably like the, the edge for me. Like, I don't think I'm going to cross over to the Brissette threshold, but man, I mean, if you're desperate, if you're in like two quarterback leagues and stuff, Brissette's been pretty nice. He's been pretty nice as a, what's that baseball fantasy, uh, threshold called? What's that pitcher's name? Where you don't pass like any everybody passed that pitcher. The Mendoza line. The Mendoza line. Yeah. Yeah, this is the yeah. Brissette line. Yeah, this is the Mendoza line. Um, yeah. So again, on the Brown side, the, the the guys you have to start. I mean, Amari Cooper has proven to be good. He is playing at home and his weird home road splits are yeah. like it's so weird that, you know, I, I don't understand why, but at this point, it's 12 weeks in, so it is kind of something to factor in, right? Yeah. But it, it's weird. But he plays way better on the road than he does at home. Take with that what you will. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been very, very serviceable uh, as a flex, maybe even a wide receiver too. But the Bucks, this is their, they're trying to go for their third straight win to get above 500. And the Browns, again, give up 135 yards through the ground two opponents. So again, Rashad White, the biggest name on this game, in this game that I'm watching out for, I think a Rashad White kind of, emergence is upon us yeah it has to be well if not now then when never all right the Bengals go to visit the titans in a what is going to be i assume a uh clash of a titans type of a game just to grind it out people get hurt arguments happening left and right deep bombs possible overtime i'm just expecting all kinds of weird things maybe because of the playoffs game uh last year yeah but um you know, the the talk the talk here is still Joe Burrow. He's shined all year and he's gonna continue to just kill it against the league's top pass funnel offense. What do I mean by that? Well, they're not ranked as the league's worst pass offense, but they're very, very wide receiver friendly. Every wide receiver tends to succeed against this team. And what better uh, set of wide receivers than Joe Burrow's wide receivers, right? So they're going to throw. They're going to throw a lot. There's going to be little to no running for Samaja Ryan. probably like 10 rushes at the most unless they're blowing them out early, which could happen. Uh, but the game script early is not going to be run the ball with Ryan. It's just not going to be. Um, so, you know, that's, I'm a little concerned about that. That's the only reason I'm not deploying him with full confidence. Tennessee has done a really, really good job uh, stopping the run. Uh, Mixon is out. So Samaj Piran takes that, uh, takes all the touches. There's really nobody after him, uh, to take any touches. That's another, um, it's another reason to go with somebody that's doesn't have a good matchup, but when the volume is there, you, you really kind of have to go yeah. towards starting. Chris him. Evans. Chris Evans is their backup, and he's the guy that they love to like throw passes to, but not do anything else. True, he just hasn't done anything this year. He showed some signs last year, but um, but like I said, uh, tough. It's a tough rushing situation here against a number four ranked Tennessee defense. Uh, But the thing is, the Bengals running backs love catching passes, and um, the options are going to be there. The, the The probability of catching the ball is really high. Uh, for P. Ryan. So just from just that volume alone, I think he warrants a spot. Um, 
Again, Tennessee has a league's best run defense in EPA and success rate allowed. So they just don't allow you to do well on the ground. They just don't. Um, but the Bengals have number two best offensive efficiency on obvious passing plays. So you can't stop them on the pass. And Tennessee, even when you not, know they're passing, that's insane. exactly number two, right? That's like you, it, every third down, <laughs> they're going to do well. yeah. yeah, that's pretty crazy. And then when you know Tennessee's run defense is so good, uh, this just bodes for a lot of passes. That's just what yeah. this means. Is a lot of passes are coming for the Bengals. Um, so who, what do you do, right? What do you do? You start Henry. Uh, maybe you start Traylon Burks if you're, you know, desperate or whatever. But I'm not touching any other receiver on this team. Um, again, Tennessee has been really bad uh, against winning teams uh, this year, or teams with winning records. The only winning uh, team with a winning record they beat at that time was a Carson Wentz-led Washington Commanders <laughs> team. Um, so they're, they're, this is not looking good. Everything I've mentioned so far is not looking good for the Titans. Um, so we'll see how they do. But again, they are one of those teams that just kind of hang in there, hang in there, uh, bring every every opponent down to their level of play. So uh, you'll start Burrow with confidence. You'll start Pirine uh, if, if the matchup uh, allows. Uh, you'll start Chase if he's healthy, if they say he's Full go, and he's looking running around right in the morning, uh, running routes with his teammates and just catching weird passes. You kind of have to. The, the upside is just too high um, against this pass funnel of a defense. Um, and then you start Higgins, and then if Chase and Higgins both play, then you're kind of throwing a dart with Boyd at this point. Um, but, yeah, that that's the fantasy outlook for this game. Yeah, I'm expecting a ton of passing on the Bengals side, right? Like you yeah. said, oh, yeah. the matchup just warrants that. Yeah. and. It'll be interesting to see what Tennessee does because the Bengals' defense does a pretty decent job against the run as well. And so if Derrick Henry's limited, man, I, it's it's the weirdest thing to me. Tennessee has seven wins this year or something like that, yeah. and I can't even like think of what Tennessee would do if they had to pass a lot. And it's not yeah. like Derrick Henry's had an amazing game every week, but they still find ways to win. They're the, they're yeah. the weirdest team. They're the yeah. weirdest team. We saw a little sign of their passing attack against the, the yeah. Packers. We but did. then did. again, that was the first time we've seen Traylon Burke do anything. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, take it to Miami where the passing attack has been amazing. They take on the Houston Texans where they may not need to pass the football. Miami is favored at home by 14 points in the hottest game of the weekend. 85 degrees is the projection down in Miami over under 47 Houston, they bench Davis Mills. He is officially on the bench for Kyle Allen. Uh, again, it's one of those like no. lateral, <laughs> lateral type, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme yeah. of things type of moves. So for fantasy perspective, it really doesn't make a difference. I don't feel like Damian Pierce, you're going to start because you kind of have to. He's been really, really good. And he'll still catch passes uh, somewhat, even though they use Rex Burkhead. And I expect the Texans to be down a lot. So they can't throw the ball to Rex 20 times. So I think based on how many times they're going to have to throw being down, Damian Pierce is going to have to catch some passes. Uh, again, this is an interesting matchup. I've, I've tried to do this in other weeks where Dolphins, Whoever the team the Dolphins are playing, mm -hmm. I start their receivers, right? But this is a weird situation, yeah. man. Am I am I pulling the trigger on Nico Collins <laughs> or Brandon? I mean, Brandon Cooks, maybe, right? Yeah. Obviously, probably. But Nico Collins, are you getting, you know, kind of a little bit deep into the second and third string receivers just with how bad or how bad the Dolphins uh, pass uh, defense is and how yeah. much their offense is going to score? No, I'm a lot more confident in these wide receivers this game strictly because – Dolphins don't play down to their opponent's level. They just, they're the ones that put the foot on the gas pedal, right? So like mm -hmm. with that being said, they're going to score points and Texans are going to have to keep up. That's, that's, that's just certain. That's just for sure. Like versus if it was us playing the Texans, who fucking knows what's going to yeah. happen. It could be like 17 to 14 at the end of the game. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. No. That. That. I mean. That's the thing. So. Yeah. If you're. If you're a dart thrower or if you're in DFS, Nico Collins probably yeah. super super yeah. cheap. Uh, or even we, like their third receiver with two yeah. more weeks left. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then obviously on even though you know I expect this should be a run heavy game for the Dolphins, they're still going to run their game plan. And I think even if this running defense is so bad, they're still going to have success throwing the football. Derek Stingley's out again. So. Tua, Waddle, Hill, you are yeah. unleashing all of them. Jeff Wilson, start of the week, obviously, because of the matchup. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, Gasecki, I don't absolutely love just because this game doesn't seem like they're going to need him. Uh-huh. But he could also get you two touchdowns. He's the yeah. coin flip, as is most tight ends. So uh, yeah. that's kind of what I'm looking out for this game. Dolphins should roll in this matchup. Yeah, I was quickly looking at Probable's team to see if he started Jeff Wilson, and he has not. So oh, he, he decided to start Swift against Buffalo defense rather than uh, even even Williams or um, Jeff Wilson against Houston. So You know, as as sad as, you know, I don't want to be petty and I don't want to be that guy, but I was looking at that matchup and Chauvet's probably going to destroy, probably he's going to have no chance. So it's not, it's going to be another week where it didn't matter that he benched. I don't know, man. I don't know. He's starting Foreman against Denver defense. And then Najee Harris had one good week. I mean. But who does Brubble have left? He's got Eckler. He's got DK Metcalf. He's got Waddle. He's got Kenneth Walker. He's still okay. got Geno Smith. Yeah, like these are some these some heavy hitters. Yeah, Chauvet's couple of players did really well though. To yeah, start, right? that's the thing. Dalton Schultz got seventeen and Bass got ten, and then Amon Ra got twenty three. So he's off yeah. to a great start. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but the weaknesses are glaring. Man, Fields still injured uh, going against the Jets defense, which is arguably the best defense in football right now. And yeah. then Najee Harris, man, I don't know. Do you have enough faith to like blindly say he's going to outperform Eckler? I don't know. The, the, Chauvet needed to perform this way to keep up is how I'm looking at this. But um, that swift move, man, it, this might be a game of few points on that swift move might kill this. So, so he had the opportunity to start Williams over Swift and Jeff Wilson Jr. over yeah, Swift. He exactly. had multiple options over Swift, yeah. but he decided to still start yeah. Swift. And, and what bothered me the most isn't even that. It's I, I wouldn't have played either one. I saw Moster was injured early on this week. He was already yeah. not going to play. Like It was glaring. It wasn't like a today information type of I thing. I didn't even realize he had Wilson yeah. on his bench. I don't know. That's just that's wild. Whatever. That's that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. I could run against the Houston Texans defense. That's wild. Um, yeah, that that's all I got for that game. All right. So you know, I uh, just mentioned Justin Fields, but he's going to go visit tough, probably the toughest place to play in America right now. Not even because of the skill level, but because of the turf, and it just injures everybody that steps onto that field at this point. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I just don't see a world where the Bears should deploy Justin Fields this game it doesn't make any sense why are you putting your uh, future out into the worst place in America to play on that field where everybody just gets hurt all the time in a game that's pretty much meaningless to you so if Fields does play this is going to be his biggest test so far Uh, this defense and pass rush has been absolute force over the last four weeks uh, uh, averaging about 5.3 sacks a game that's a lot of sacks Um, since week four uh, okay since week four the Jets have only allowed 22 points once. Every other th- time it's been single digits or a uh, number in the teens. Since week wow. four. That's a long time ago. Um, and since week four, only um, once um, have the Jets scored single-digit fantasy points on defense. So they've had double-digit fantasy points since wow. week four. Um, so you're starting that defense, especially if Trevor Simeon ends up getting the start. Which, you know, this is a great position to be a betting man because I think 
why would you not start Trevor Simeon if you're the Bears? You're tanking. You want better yeah. picks. Why are you throwing out Justin Fields? Like we've seen everything we need to see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah sure. He needs some. He needs to tune up on some. Uh, you know, passes here and there. But that can happen outside of this game. Like, do not put your best player out there to die against this defense right now. I think um, the I think Vegas and Vegas already kind of has that hunch because Jets being favored by six six. seems kind of high. True, true. Bears have been scoring a lot of points. They have been scoring a lot of points, but if it's Simeon, don't see them scoring (laughs) that many points. Um, Sauce Gardner does have a calf injury as of this morning, so we'll see if that makes any sort of a difference. It should because he's been uh, playing lights out, but we'll see how significant that is. Um, So from a fantasy perspective, I am staying the hell away from this Jets offense as a whole. Um, It's too unpredictable um, with White at helm this game. Um, expect a heavy dose of running with Michael Carter and um, Robinson. And um, this is why I went out and I think two weeks ago, I was like, I got to get Michael Carter on my team. It's because the schedule out here is looking pretty good for the rest of the season for the Jets. Um, And um, uh, this game right here is basically one of the main reasons. It's going to be big Michael Carter day. I'm just going out there on a limb and just being fully confident on Michael Carter this game. Uh, It's the 28th ranked Bears run defense. Um, they got a new quarterback out here. They're not going to throw 50 times with Mike White. Um, so there's just a lot of running backs are going to be happening. They've been running the ball well, despite Brees Hall, uh, with pretty much everybody back there, they get a good chunk of yardage out of it. So I think, uh, one way or another, even if they don't run heavy with one running back, they're going to split carries, whatever. Uh, both running backs are considerable and Michael Carter is definitely, um, I think one of the more sleeper picks of this week. If he's, uh, available in w- whatever form, just go get him. He's going to cost you nothing. Just get him. Yeah, um, I, I, I like that too, just because even last year when Mike White played, he loved to dump the football off. I think yeah, those are the weeks where like Michael Carter was catching like seven to 10 balls a week. So yeah. um, I absolutely love that as well. Yeah. And um, on the Bears end, um, just stay away again. Um, but Mont- Montgomery has been playing pretty good and there's not many better options, especially outside of the top seven options for uh, instead of Cole Komet. So you're probably looking at starting him too if you have him and nobody else better. Uh, and then Fields. Monitor the Fields situation really closely. If you're a, just a plug-and-play owner, you might really, really regret it if you don't have a backup quarterback ready by Sunday because there is a significant chance he doesn't play. Yeah, I mean, at at this stage, if you are a guy that had Justin Fields, I'm hoping you're not a plug and play guy, and I'm hoping you're like monitoring your fantasy lineup a little I bit wish, more. Man. I yeah. wish, but he was a he was a waiver wire pickup like a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of those last play, second last, third last teams all have a hold on him, and you're probably down there because you didn't really pay attention too much, you know? Yeah, that's true. A game that actually has some implications despite the names not appearing. Sexy Falcons at Commanders, Washington at home favored by four, over under 40 and a half. Both teams are fighting for that final wildcard spot. They are currently sitting in the eighth and ninth position, and there are seven teams that make the playoffs. Uh, So it is going to be interesting to see if either of these teams can squeak in. The Commanders have a way tougher road ahead of them considering the fact that they're in the toughest division in football right now. Uh, This is an interesting matchup just because the Falcons being a run first offense, the commanders are sixth in the league in yards per game allowed against the run. So this is going to be, I think a game where the Falcons are going to have to figure out how to pass the football Uh, (laughs) on the commander side. uh, Gibson Gibson is 
by far the safest fantasy starter, in my opinion, in this entire offense. He does everything. He still splits rushes with Brian Robinson, and he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield. Terry McLaurin is his close second just because Heineke is starting quarterback, and he loves TMC. So I think those guys are your starters. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of monitoring this Washington defense slowly but surely. Chase Young coming back, the pass rush resurgence. Uh, it's starting to make this defense kind of a little bit on my radar in terms of fantasy and the Falcons. Again, if you're having to get Mariota to pass the football 35 times or 30 times, even, uh, I think good things can happen for your, uh, you know, for the defense. So, uh, that's an interesting, uh, matchup right there. Mariota, you could stream him. He's got the rushing dual threat capability. He usually rushes a touchdown in. So you already have kind of a floor there. Cordero Patterson, uh, you're probably going to start as a running back, even though the commanders are good against the run. And I mean, again, if you're really, really desperate, I guess Drake London, he caught one pass last week for two yards. Luckily, it was a touchdown to salvage on three targets. But right now, Demir Bird seems to be getting more targets than anybody. And Kyle Pitts is out now. So who is going to who is the ball going to go through? This is like an insane. This is kind of one of those things where like they're going against a team that's going to stop the run. They only run the football and their you know, biggest uh, receiving threat is out. So somebody's going to have to catch passes. Drake London, you probably, you're probably going to try to start him, right? I mean, like if not now, then when? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at least, um, I mean, not at least, but there are some people who still think the Falcons are going to put up a lot of points somehow. Cause they're starting three members of the commander's offense on their fantasy. Uh, game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, appa- apparently some people think the Falcons are going to still bust out points out of nowhere here. Yeah, I, again, asking them to do something they're not good at doing and, you know, the thing that they're good at doing, the other team is good at stopping 12 yeah. weeks into the season. Yeah. My money's on the ladder. I don't think they're yeah. going to be able to do it. I hope so. I, I hope the Falcons pull it up somehow, but um, we will see. Yeah, we will. All right. Speaking of teams doing one thing good, another thing bad, another thing good, another thing bad, talking about matchups here and there, uh, the Broncos are going to visit the Panthers. Oh, man. Denver's favored by one over-unders at 36, which may be too high for this game. Uh, But um, both teams are coming off of some heartbreaking losses that got away from them in the fourth quarter. Um, the Broncos have the Carolina Panthers number all time. Uh, their Carolina is only one in six all time against the Broncos. Um, now let's talk some numbers. So Carolina is 31st in total yards per game. Uh, and they're going against the defense, allowing the second least points per game and second least yards per game. Oh my God. This is a nightmare that's about to happen out there, uh, on the field for the Panthers. Carolina's third down efficiency is also dead last at 32nd. Um, Broncos um, are 31st. So they're just both bad offenses. Under. This is under. Lowest exactly. over under I've seen 36. That's what, That's, the what under. That's what I'm saying. Over under is still maybe too high. There's going to yeah. be a lot of punts this game. Um, unless, you know, there's always that stupid Russell Wilson factor that just won't leave yeah. my mind. Like, what <laughs> random if this bombs. Is the game? What if it's <laughs> random bombs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like you're waking up in the middle of the night and like, oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> like, that's how I feel every time this game, the, the Broncos game comes on TV. It's such a tease. Yep. Um, but, and then some more numbers. Broncos defense is fourth in third down efficiency for the other team. So they're really good. They, they don't allow things to happen. And the mm-hmm. Panthers are 21st. So, out of all these comparisons here and there, uh, the what the main thing to take away from this is that the Broncos defense is really good. The Broncos defense is elite level good, and you just you just don't see it happen um, on the stat sheet because of how bad the offense is and how often the defense has to be on the field. Um, 
So, uh, and then a couple of last minute uh, numbers before we jump into fantasy stuff. Um, Carolina uh, scores um, in the 25th, uh, not the percentile, they're 25th in the league in points per game. So they don't score very many points. And I already told you the uh, Broncos um, are really, really good at stopping uh, the other team on third downs and allowing points and everything. Basically every stat necessary to be a good defense. Um However, the Broncos are the, th- the worst team in scoring points. They're 32nd in the league at a sad 14.7 points per game. So basically, what does all this stuff that I just talked about mean? What I'm trying to tell you is the Broncos defense is going to do their job. It's going to be up to Russell Wilson to score 18 points. There's a stat running around Twitter that says if the Broncos were to score 18 points every game uh, all year long, they would be like 9-1 and one or something crazy like that. 18 points. Wow. Uh, um, so that being said, there's not much to talk about from a fantasy perspective, honestly. There was just a lot of fun stats to throw at you. But you're starting with Tavius Murray versus the 27th ranking Panthers run defense. And you're starting Sutton from a sheer volume and nobody else getting the ball perspective because all the other wide receivers are hurt. And then Dolchich, this is my last attempt at the Dolchich um, ex- uh, experiment. If this doesn't work, then I you can't afford to ride this uh, weird wavering hand into the playoffs. And then Foreman, eh, man, he's been doing great, but I, I would look somewhere else this week uh, and then literally should not start anybody else on the Panthers. Yeah, Darnold may make their pass catchers look a little bit better, like you said in here, but that's, yeah. it's it's just too big of a risk to even yeah. try to afford to take yeah, that. We need at least one game sample size. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Jacksonville to shake on the Jaguars. Ravens on the road favored by three and a half points over under 43 and a half. Everybody was on the injury report like we discussed and Lamar got off and Andrews who'd been on the injury report basically all year has no injury designation. So it's Lamar and Andrews and nobody else and maybe a hint of Kenyon Drake too, right? So it seems like they've got this three-headed monster and nobody oh, else on the I offense is going to be able to. touchdowns for Drake. Yeah, or six field goals for Tucker. It could be a yeah. lot of field goals for Tucker. True. The Jags, def- dude, the Jags need to start off hot. Last game against Kansas City, they went down 20 nothing. The game before against the Vegas Raiders, they were down 17 nothing. So the Jags cannot afford to go down like hard and fast early against the Ravens. The Ravens haven't been doing an amazing job putting up like points. They've been struggling to score. They've been kicking some field goals here and there. So I don't think the Jags need to worry as much about this here. But the thing that the Jags are going to have to worry about is Travis Etienne's been having a great season and the Ravens are third against the run. So the Jags are going to have to figure out how to utilize Etienne in the past game, which he does a really good job of, of more so Trevor Lawrence utilizing these guys, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, they become great starts. Christian Kirk yeah. should have a solid, solid day against the Ravens' pass defense. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, you know, it's just the gift that does, sometimes gives and sometimes takes. And, you know, it's just, again, the tight end coin toss, if you will. Um, I'm expecting the Ravens' defense to have a pretty good game stopping the run. ETN may have, like, a inefficient rushing day but have seven catches out of the backfield, right? So he becomes an automatic start. I start Christian Kirk with confidence. I start Evan Ingram just because, again, I'm expecting the Jacksonville Jaguars to need to throw the football. On the Ravens side, Lamar, Andrews, and Kenyon Drake, man, as much as, you know, there's nothing sexy about it. He may not run the ball 25 times, but who else do they have? Gus Edwards continues to be like, he's going to come back and play. He's going to come back and play. Plays one game, gets hurt. And they don't, Justice Hill doesn't really get the, love or the volume he's just kind of always going to be the spellback yeah. so right now process of elimination tells me Kenyon drake needs to get started so uh i'm i'm expecting this game to be tighter uh ravens again their their offense is so decimated that i can't see them putting up 31 points right so i think they're gonna have to win this game like 23 to 10 or something like that so uh give me the ravens minus three and a half though i think they cover the spread yeah i could very well go down like that 
Um, in this week's possible biggest shootout affair, um, the Chargers go to visit the Cardinals, who have been struggling as of late, but they get some cool, cool weapons back. One of them, Hollywood Brown, and a healthy James Conner after his second game coming back from the injury. Uh, first game, he wasn't really limited in any fashion. He got all the touches he needed, um, just went into the end zone like he normally does with his piss-poor running effort. Um, so, you know, the question is, is Kyler going to play, though? Because if what's all this if Kyler, Kyler doesn't even play and we're stuck with Colt McCoy once again? Um, so that's going to come down to the wire. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But regardless, you would start Hopkins, you would start Connor, and maybe even Hollywood Brown. I would wait. I would wait for the Hollywood Brown thing. Um, I think if Kyler plays... You know, if you're comparing to some of these other names out there like Christian Watson and whatnot, I would go ahead and go with Hollywood Brown for some reason. I just, you know, more less volatility, more comfort, uh, knowing the Chargers are going to score. I think the Chargers have come back to their natural form now. Uh, and then once Mike Williams comes back, then things are going to be much, much more solid. And that could be as easy as next week. But Keenan Allen's back. The security's back. Third down completions are back. And um, the, the downfield play is back. So um, no more just curl routes all over the field. No more drag routes. They're going to have to expand the field a little bit more. Uh, Everett uh, should be playing this week. That also opens up the middle of the field, which they haven't really been doing besides five-yard curls. So Allen, you would start um, if he's, um, you know, which he is. He is healthy, so I, I guess you would start him. Um, and then Eckler, you start with confidence. Herbie, you start with confidence. Everett, you can start. Palmer, you still start. And then uh, another thing is um, Herbert, I think, will probably have the best game he's had all year to this this game. Um, Arizona's ranked 29th um, against quarterbacks, and that's just simply too low for somebody of Herbert's skill set and uh, caliber, especially with all the weapons he has and how bad the Cardinals secondary has been over the last couple of years. Um, you know, so I think, um, I think this is the game. I think it's happening. I think a 30 point performance is not unreachable. Yeah. And again, I'm going to continue to vouch for this guy. Josh Palmer doesn't seem like he's just a injury fill in to Williams and Allen. Like yeah. I think once Allen's allure is done and this guy's old and retires, like Joshua Palmer looks like a really good receiver. Like yeah. I think he can fill in here and be a really nice compliment. Him and Mike Williams kind of be that one, two, if Mike Williams can stay on the field. So I really like what I see from Palmer. He's a guy that, you know, like if you have in like dynasty leagues and stuff like that, yeah. you're probably holding on to him because Absolutely. the future is bright for that guy. Yeah. Another matchup that may have some points to be had Raiders at Seahawks Seahawks at home favored by four points over under 47 and a half. The Raiders suck on the road. They have lost five road games this season, but like the Vikings of last year, four of those have only been by one score. So they just cannot finish when it matters. Seattle though, three and one at home. So they take care of business at home. Uh, interesting thing about this game, there is a ton of rain possible on the forecast. So uh, Las Vegas has been practicing with a wet football all week. So they're trying to accommodate and nice. get ready for that game. But that leads me to believe what's going to happen. It's going to be a run fest. Ken Walker the third against the 29th ranked running uh, defense against opposing running backs in fantasy football. And Josh Jacobs against the 26th. Now the one thing about Josh Jacobs is he 
just randomly popped up in the injury report. If he does go down and somehow does decides he can't play or something like that, your backups are Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolton, which those are weird backups to just plug and play, right? Because neither one of those are really like workhorse running backs. They're more like catching passes out of the backfield. So you're expecting that to be like a dead on split down the middle. So I don't really know how to feel. I think the, you know, I think the Raiders probably will still have to throw the football some because Seattle's done a really nice job on offense. So those guys can still catch passes out of the backfield and Devonte Adams rain snow sleet doesn't really matter. Ooh, he is, know, I'm a little nervous. He's, he's matchup. I mean, nervous, but in what world, unless again, it's like flooding. Are you, yeah. are you benching Devonte Adams? You know, like yeah, the, no, the, you're right. It's it's like yeah, you could try to be really really smart about it, and if it's raining, yeah, you know, if you have Joshua Palmer and Devonte Adams, you're like, you know what, I'm gonna start Joshua Palmer because he's got a nice matchup, and it's not raining. But again, it's just impossible. How do you how yeah. do you not start Devonte Adams? I'm glad you told me about they've been practicing with a wet football all week because that's huge. Like, why yeah. are they doing that? Right? Like, yeah. why, why are doing that? They're, yeah, exactly. It's not probably like rain may happen. I think rain is more than likely going to happen because, yeah. you know, I, that rarely happens where teams are literally practicing with a wet football. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one guy on the, you know, on the Seahawks side, we talked about it. Ken Walker, obviously Gino's had such a nice season that he's been streamable. Maybe the weather hinders that a little bit, but yeah. um, you know, maybe if there's better opportunities, but I don't hate Gino. And then again, similar situation, maybe on a lesser scale from the Adams to like, obviously DK and Lockett, but they're hard players to bench because, you know, unless you have a ton of depth and you have, again, I'm just going to keep using Joshua Palmer because he's been a waiver guy that's just kind of been floating around. If you have a guy like Palmer that you can pivot to, sure. But again, DK Lockett, you're probably going to have a hard time benching those guys if you don't have the depth. But other than that, again, Keep an, eye, keep an eye out for the forecast. If it gets worse, obviously you start pivoting uh, with the pass catchers and quarterbacks and going heavy on the running backs. If it starts to get better, then maybe, you know, kind of you deploy those guys with a, a little better confidence. Yeah, Preble's got three uh, Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> if, there's, if there's rain in the in the forecast, oh, man. He's got Gino and DK. I forgot about that. Ken Walker will feast, but yeah. oh, my God, Preble. Just, I, I feel so bad because it feels like I just keep picking on Preble and I'm not even intentionally picking He's on him. He's got such a good team. It's just I know. The, the, the man mismanagement, man. The yeah. mismanagement. All right. Uh, next game we have up here is the Rams visiting the Chiefs. Um, Kansas City is favored <laughs> by 15 and a half, man. That's just, and the over under is so at 42. Bad. I mean, it could be 42 nothing. It could be 42 nothing. It could very well be 41 to three. It could, it could just, that could just happen. I don't, I don't see a world where the Rams score a touchdown this game. I just don't know how they're going to do that. There's no, yeah. like, um, let's just start with the easy stuff stuff and then we'll go to the hard stuff. So easy stuff, uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, you start those guys with confidence. And at, at this point, because of the demolishment, you would probably go Pacheco, um, and Juju's back. Juju's got no injury designation. So you got to go back to Juju. Um, so those four, I would start, I would start without really worrying too much about it. Um, I don't see the chiefs throwing too much this game. So I don't really want to get into the deeper areas like Justin Watson and Sky Moore. Um, but you know, if for some reason something happens and, um, some of these guys aren't playing or, um, it's a deeper league, then just think about Justin Watson. He is really, really loved by Mahomes. He, he, he seems like a very secure target, uh, for Mahomes. Um, and then the chiefs defense is a must start, if not the most must start play of the, of the week. And, um, I think, um, if it doesn't matter who's starting for the Rams, because we know it's not Stafford, uh, Wolford could be starting. <laughs> Still, uh, if he's starting, you have a little bit uh, less faith in the Chiefs defense, although you do have faith. However, if it's Perkins starting, then you just 
just go go get yeah. your 25 points because um Perkins man I thought he was a receiver playing quarterback <laughs> all of last game. I was like what I was like do they not have any backup quarterbacks? I thought it was just a receiver. If that tells you anything you need to know about his possible quarterbacking skills if he has to start the entire game. Yeah, he's just, just running for his life out there. But anyways, Chiefs defense must start. Um, on the Rams end, um, you start nobody. Just don't don't even kid. Don't kid yourself. Start nobody. There's really no reason to start anybody. If you really, yeah. really, really want to because you're a huge Rams fan and you want to see things happen, start Van Jefferson. But outside of that, just stay away. Robinson it just now popped up on the injury report, like we mentioned. It's an ankle, another sprained ankle. Um, so he's going to be useless pretty much. So, you know, and then the Rams running situation, this is just a bunch of stashing situation in case something happens. Uh, Akers, Williams, um, if you want to hope on a miracle, if last no, minute Alvin Kamara beats up somebody do. else and he gets suspended no. or whatever, like just <laughs> we, things like we, that. We've given you guys too many pivot options that you were relying on that, right? Yeah. The four nets, the mix-ins, those guys, there's huge, huge running back plays. Latavius, Murray, all, like there's yeah. plenty of options that you cannot, you cannot do this to yourself. Do not Absolutely. do anything, anything Rams related. No, stay away from this game. A game that maybe you're not going to stay away from. A lot of fantasy players here. Saints at 49ers. 49ers at home favored by nine and a half points. All of a sudden, they're getting too much respect. It feels like over under 43. I mean, too much respect. I don't know. They did beat Arizona, but it was very comfortably, very convincingly. They're clicking on all cylinders. The defense has not allowed a single point in the second half of the last three games. This <laughs> defense is clicking. That's the definition of clicking. And the offense, I mean, you just look at the offense. They have weapons galore. It's like going to a candy store. It's like, which one do you want to do? Which one do you want to try this game? Which one do you want to try this day? You know, it's like a different guy can beat you every single game. Um, excuse me. The good thing about the Saints they are might they might get some help back on the defense. Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan, uh, and Davenport all might be back for their defense. They're all questionable, but leaning and trending towards playing. So that should at least help the Saints defense somewhat. Uh, Jimmy G, been solid. I, I don't know why. I don't I mean, you know, again, he's just he's the definition of a system quarterback, but in that system, he's like so good. He just does. He runs that system so well that it makes him become viable in fantasy. And he's got a really nice floor. So uh, again, if you're desperate and the, some other games, weather conditions, things like that, Jimmy G is there for you. Uh, Justin Fields pivot option. Jimmy G is probably there for you. So that's another guy to look at CMC Mitchell CMC. You always, always, always start. Um, and if the saints defense, you know, they get some of these guys back, but they still don't perform because they've been bad all year. Mitchell's still a nice play too, because again, they like splitting carries and Mitchell's going to get carries if the game gets out of hand. Right. So Mitchell's always going to be like, he's always there. He's going to play when the game is in hand and CMC's not going to get a single touch if they're up by like three scores, which means Mitchell's probably going to be the guy. So, uh, I think I'm comfortably starting Mitchell. I did not start Debo Samuel last week just because I had not liked what I seen the past two games. And, you know, to truth be told, Debo's utilization in fantasy is so weird because if he's not getting you that big touchdown run, he's got a nice floor. It's usually like maybe 10, 11, 10.2. So it's like very, very creeping into double digits, but he doesn't have any of those boom weeks because he's not getting 10 receptions. He's just not, that's not their offense. Right. right. So there is a weird floor and kind of a teeter totter uh, way about Debo Samuel. But I think at this point you probably have to start him. I personally like is just strictly pass catching. Ayuk. I've said it. I think they throw the ball to Ayuk more. They look more in passing plays to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and he runs more routes down the field. Debo Samuel is more of like a gadget player running ins, screen passes, stuff like that. Uh, and then Kittle. Kittle had a nice resurgence, but that was against one of the worst uh, tight end defenses in the league. 
the Saints, for some reason, despite their defense being abysmal, they're number one against tight ends. So, so that's probably maybe the one guy that you don't want to start. And San Francisco defense, man, I think you're probably starting San Francisco defense against the Saints. And on the Saints side, the only guy that's worth starting, Alvin Kamara, if he plays, you obviously start him. Chris Olave must start. And the streamer option at tight end, Juwan Johnson. Like, like until this guy stops catching touchdowns, like, kind of to three yeah, it's crazy in a row. And then, like, I, I think, I don't know, how many touchdowns does the guy have on the year? Like, too many. Really? He's got, too, he's got too many. It's like five. That's pretty crazy for a tight end. Yeah. For a rando guy that's like splitting snaps with Taysom Hill, you know, like, it's just weird. Yeah. But, uh, but that's kind of what I'm looking at. Big spread, 49ers. At home, the one weird stat about the 49ers is Kyle Shanahan, when he has to practice on the road and travel somewhere, he's mm-hmm. one in four in games coming back from that. And they just played in Mexico. So weird stat. Okay. I don't know if he has travel hangover or he's just kind of one of those guys that needs that extra day from the vacation. You know, that Monday morning, okay. I can't go to work on Monday after coming back from vacation mm-hmm. on Sunday. He could be that guy. So okay. that's one weird nugget. But other than that, uh, that game, the 49ers should take care of business. Yeah. Absolutely. And my favorite version of football, Sunday night football. Packers are going to check out what the Eagles are all about. Philadelphia's favored by six and a half, over under sitting at 46 and a half. Are we going to get to see more Rodgers do more Rodgers things? I kind of think so. I think he's kind of made a little, you know, it's like enough is enough. You know, like he's kind of got his little nice little floor back and the ceiling kind of doesn't exist. He can still kind of do whatever he wants. Um, So, you know, we got to see what Christian Watson's got. You know, I doubted him last game. I was like, there's no way. This guy's not going to score two touchdowns or three touchdowns. He scored two touchdowns on two catches um, to start off and just pissed me off right off the bat. But uh, we got to see what he's got, you know. And I think um, comparing him to players like Gabe Davis, Tyler Boyd, those names are pretty much – standard on a lot of people's flex spots. Um, I think I would go with the boom potential. I think I would go with the boom potential of Watson and kind of just see. I I know people already started Gabe Davis or you already didn't start Gabe Davis, but if you didn't start Gabe Davis, then um, Watson could very well fit into that role at the flex spot just to see. Let me see what you got. Let me see what you got. They love throwing deep bombs to him almost every play, at least once a half. Um, So that's totally worth it. and then Aaron Jones, you start. Rodgers, you start. Um, Lazard, a lot of people don't start for some reason, but you have to start him. I don't know why people aren't starting him. Um, that's a nice floor situation there uh, against the 10th-ranked secondary. Um, Packers are actually fourth in time of possession because of how, of how well their running backs – actually, not even their running backs, just because how well Aaron Jones uh, – you know, makes these third down conversions happen, whether it's passing, rushing, whatever. Uh, They're fourth in time of possession. So their answer to the Eagles here would be to control the clock. Do not let uh, uh, Hertz um, scramble all over the field and play time of possession in his favor. The Packers totally have to dominate time of possession this game if they want to win. Um, So A.J. Brown, Hertz, Sanders, Skinny Batman, a.k.a. Devontae Smith, all those guys are good to go. Um, so you start them with against uh, Green Bay's mediocre, you know, middle of the tier fantasy defense against wide receivers. Um, Eagles are tied with Bills for the second most touchdowns this year. So they're finding ways to get in the end zone, whether it's rushing the ball, throwing the ball, whatever. They're second in rushing touchdowns, and the Packers have 27th rush defense. So Jeez. it's just going to be a lot of running. I think the Eagles are going to do a lot of running, a lot of play action. They're going to be handling this ball, and we're going to have to see if Aaron Rodgers can keep up. 
And, um, you know, we saw how strongly the Eagles started the season with their cornerbacks just demolishing everybody. But they've kind of come down to earth. They're now ranked 12th as well. Uh, their sec- their uh, corners are ranked 12th. So they started off the season like in the top two over the mm-hmm. first three, four games, uh, mainly because that inflated games where Kirk Cousins just thought Justin Jefferson was Randy Moss every play and just tried to lob <laughs> terrible passes, by the way. But um, so uh, I think that just kind of overinflated their stats. Uh, Darius Slay's good, but he's not fast. He's old. No, uh, he's older Pat, now. Yeah. yeah, he's just like Patrick Peterson at this point. Yeah, and Pat P, man, we didn't talk about him enough. He has been like he's grading out really, yeah. really well. He's got like the third or fourth least amount of passes or targets thrown to him. Yeah, like you give him slack for being old and shit, but he's kind of carrying the load there. Yeah, he's ranked what fourth on uh, overall cornerbacks on PFF now. Um, So, yeah. So, at this point, Eagles should dominate this game. uh, And then Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play keep uh, catch up. So, all these people, if you're ever listening and your name is Preble or anything like that, and you have a quarterback (laughs) that's going to be playing in the rain, uh, you may want to bench him for somebody like Aaron Rodgers. But (laughs) But he won't because he likes him. He likes Geno Smith better. I just – I don't give a shit who you like, man. (laughs) Get that. Get that. Okay. (laughs) Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. There was one thing I was going to mention about this game. And now, oh, as Vikings fans, aren't we rooting for the Packers in this game? Yeah, I was going to say that earlier (laughs) while I was typing this out. I was like, damn, I'm going to be rooting for the Packers this game. Yeah, man, we got to play for that bye. That division's probably locked up. And so we win next week. We get the uh, division. So, yeah. So there we go. Let's have the Packers take care of the Eagles and pull off an upset for us. Monday Night Football will end the rundown and the episode for us where the Steelers, missing Chauvet, traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Colts at home favored by two and a half points, low over under at 39. The Colts suck against Pittsburgh. They've lost seven straight games to Pittsburgh. Their last win against Pittsburgh back when Jeff Saturday was playing as center for the Colts. So um, it's been a while. And the Pittsburgh rushing offense has had a resurgence. Najee Harrison gang averaging 154 yards per carry or yards per game uh, over the last three weeks after only 88 yards per game over the first seven. So there has been a shift. Uh, The offensive line has played a little bit better. The defense is slowly getting pieces back. Uh, Guys I'm looking at in this from a fantasy perspective, Najee Harris, you know, first game that he's had really good first kind of nice game that he has. I think he had 20 points first game of the season where he put up maybe 20. Did he have 20? I don't know if he had 20. He had 22 last game, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had 20 plus. So, um, it's hard, obviously not to play him after a week after that. So you're obviously deploying him in your lineup. Fryermuth has been really, really nice, uh, outside of the game against the saints who have the number one defense against tight ends. He has been really, really money. They love throwing them the football. Kenny Pickett loves the underneath stuff. So Fryermuth is a must start. And we've already talked about this at this point. If you're still starting Deontay Johnson, I don't know why George, if you're starting anybody in on the receiving court, you're starting George Pickens because that's the guy that deserves to get starts. But I mean, again, this is a game where the Colts aren't really going to blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the Steelers are going to have to like come from behind and throw the football a ton. So I don't know, unless Pickens gets a touchdown, you're probably staying away from, you know, the outside wide receivers in this game. So maybe Najee and Fryermuth are your best bets on the Steelers side. I mean, unless there's somebody else on Pittsburgh side that you're pretty comfortable starting. No, absolutely not. I'm just a little shocked at this DJ desurgence because you know, Big Ben's one safety net was him because of the yards after the catch, because of the separation. You know, he was playing lights out. He's getting like mm-hmm. ten catches a game. Nobody could catch to catch up no. to him, and all of a sudden he can't do shit. Like, <laughs> is this Pickens' fault? What's going on here? I don't. I I don't know. I mean, I just I think 
he's got limitations in his game too. Like he's a great route runner, but he doesn't have, he doesn't pair that with like really, really reliable hands. Right. And right now they have a quarterback that cannot throw the football deep. So everything that the defenses cover against Pittsburgh are underneath and short stuff. And that's all Deontay's game. So if he's not running like a two yard in, they're sitting on his curls. Cause it's like, Hey, you try to double move me. Yeah. I'm going to dare. Kenny Pickett to throw the football 60 yeah. yards. So, so yeah. I think it's just defenses understand that they can press against these receivers and have Kenny Pickett try to force a football in there. And right now it's just not there. So yeah, I mean, and I think Pickens is a better receiver. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I haven't even seen enough of Pickens and I was very low on Pickens coming out of the draft, but Pickens is phenomenal. His, his yeah. ability to uh, high point the football, his ability to adjust his body to where the ball is oh, yeah. like, and, and the way he does that. And then the ball still like sticks to his hand when he catches yeah. it, there's no juggle. There's no nothing. It's like the opposite of Deontay Johnson, right? Deontay Johnson yeah. struggles with his hands and Pickens absolutely does not. So throw the ball to the guy that's more reliable when you're a rookie quarterback looking for, you know, uh, success in the NFL. And then you look over on the cold side to show Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, you start him. And here's an interesting dilemma. You have the 32nd ranked defense against opposing wide receivers. But you have kind of this carousel of receivers where yeah. Pittman was the guy the first like three, four weeks. Pierce had a surgeon's like the sixth, seventh week. And then, you know, Paris Campbell came onto the scene for like three, four weeks in a row. Who is the guy that you trust in this offense catching the football against, you know, the worst pass defense if you're having to start one of them? I mean, Pittman by default, Pittman by default, Campbell by volume, Pierce by desperation. It's like, it, they're all good. It's not that it's not like one's, you know, significantly yeah. better than the other. Pittman has like size and whatever, but we, we saw that one outlier game where he had like 10 receptions. Like we, and then yeah. we saw nothing like that ever again. Um, <laughs> But but it's not fair to judge them because of uh, all their whole quarterback situation has been so shitty. They haven't been able to kind of, you know, we never got to see a trend as like mm -hmm. football analysts, fans, whatever you want to call us. We never got to kind of like ride a trend. It's just been chaos there. And for that reason, man, I, like if you can buy Pittman low right now before the playoffs, I don't think that's a bad idea. Like trade at deadlines coming up soon. Um, I think it's going to start normalizing here soon. And it is Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan does prefer Pittman over these other guys. Uh, at the end of it all. So, um, you know, this is one of those situations that this late into the season, there's really not much room for making your team better outside of waiver wire and stuff. So whenever these opportunities come man, like these Michael Carters and these Pittmans, they're out there, they're out there and nobody wants them. And like, you have to be the ones to find them. And, uh, I think this is like a perfect scenario. We're watching Pittman versus Campbell versus Pierce beginning of the season. Now, like we're not even having a debate here right now, but here we are week 12, wondering who to start. And I think, just you got to go with your gut at this point. And we know Pittman is far, far superior as far as like a total package skilled player goes. And I think you, you got to capitalize on these players. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I agree with you. If I have to lean one way, it's definitely Pittman with the upside. I like Campbell at it. Like you mentioned volume, right? Like I just think he does a lot of the uh, underneath stuff. And so yeah. he's getting, he's getting heavy targets and yeah, right now Pierce was what, you know, Pierce, is what I thought like is Campbell is what Pierce I thought was carving himself yeah. into being. Yeah. And right now, because Campbell has, you know, been healthy and now he's playing on the field, Pierce yeah. is playing third fiddle. So there's really no world right now where you're starting Pierce unless you're so desperate and then you get lucky because he gets in the end zone. Uh out of Pierce and Campbell or out of Pittman and Campbell, I agree with you. I, yeah. I lean Pittman as well. Yeah. Pittman is the uh Mike Evans here and then Campbell is like the Godwin here and then yeah. throw in a name for Pierce. So yeah. if you look at it from that perspective, like you're not starting Pierce.
Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting matchup again. Colts can't really, I don't think they can run away with this just because their firepower isn't quite there. Even if their weapons are there, their offensive line seems to hinder them. So Steelers have another, you know, winnable matchup where they can fight hard and, and grit it out and grind it out and see if Kenny Pickett can make one final play at the end and, and, and and win a game for them. But that wraps us up. That is the rundown. Those, those are the slate of games. Anything else to add to show that we have not talked about? No, yet? I'm just going to foreshadow like a that's all Raven situation right now. And I think Kenny Pickett is going to do one of those things. And we're going to rile up some, some wow. Steeler fans. Yeah, dude, if, if there's one game this year, just one game, it's this game. It's Monday Night yeah. Football. The whole country's watching. And it's the fucking Colts. Like, the, no yeah. one's afraid of the Colts, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I can see some weird shit happening and Pickett throwing for like three touchdowns against his Colts team. And, <laughs> Um, it just, and then like, and then we won't hear the end of it. So yeah. And then, and then here comes shove it. Like, man, I told you those small hands. And I'm gonna be like, yeah, oh. I, I hope for his small hands sake, this actually is a good game. Um, but you know, I'm also going to say Pickens, man, people again, Pickens is no joke. You gotta, you gotta have him on your team. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not starting him every week, he's a guy that at any moment can be like, guys, Welcome to the George Pickens NFL show. And he oh, comes on the scene. The thing is, over the last four or five weeks, he's had double digit points like for the last five weeks. So he's yeah. shown up. I mean, the only thing left now is to like demolish the roof and get like 30 points. And um, that could, again, this game, I see a lot of points coming down the Steelers' uh, way this game. Yeah. Should be a good one to end the week. Again, that is the episode. Uh, week 12 already kicked off with three amazing games on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then we have a bunch of action here on Sunday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, we're the only playbook. I'm Sweetheart. That's your show. Thanks for all the support. Have a wonderful weekend. See you guys next week.